Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And today on the show, I would love to welcome Phil Hess, sorry about that, Phil, Phil Hess, author of Ask Me Anything, a book that is set to release soon and that helps job seekers interview successfully and get the job they want. Phil started his career with Sears and was there for 38 years. Part of his role was to recruit for their elite program, which admitted only 350 trainees per year. This experience helped him craft an interview strategy that helps candidates make a lasting impression on their interviewer. And he is going to share all the good stuff with us today to help you land your next job. So thanks for joining us, Phil. Oh, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure for me to be here with you today. I know. Thank you. You know, I love to start the show with talking a little bit about how we got connected because we all know it's not what you know, it's who you know when you're job seeking, right? So I like to form those connections for the audience. So how did you and I get connected? Well, you were talking to a friend of mine, Tracy Jones, who is the daughter of my mentor, Charles Tremendous Jones, who I worked with me for 30, 35 years, and he was the one who I actually gave him credit for bringing me out of my shell maybe 35, 40 years ago. So that's that, how we uh, started talking. So That is so amazing. And Tracy is going to be on the show a little bit later. And how I got connected to her is amazing. And it's really crazy. But I'll t- give you a quick little clip. Um, so originally, I had a guest on the show who was also mentored by Charlie Tremendous Jones. And as a podcast gift, he gave me two of his books to get me started. And I'd never heard of him before, right? And I was like, this guy is amazing. And so later on, a friend of mine introduced me to Tracy. And right beforehand, I started doing research on her because I like to research people a little bit before I talk to him. And I was like, she's the daughter of Charlie freaking Tremendous Jones. OMG. (laughs) So it was a really fun experience. And then she was telling me about your book and everything that you've got going on. I was like, well, he needs to come on the podcast too. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's great. So let's dive into your content just a little bit. Okay. So one of the questions that, and I prep my candidates for this very question. So I'm curious to see what your take on it is as opposed to my take, which it's probably very similar. But one of the questions that they get is tell me about yourself. And it's just, it's so wide open, right? So what... Why is this question so difficult and how do you encourage the people that you're coaching to answer it? Well, it's funny because of all the thousands of people that I have talked to, when they, I ask that question, they know it's coming, but they don't practice. So they don't go and think about what they're going to say. They, in their mind, they're thinking about it, but what are they going to go and say when the question actually comes? And the other day I was with a class and I said to the class, So what's the first question you're going to get during an interview? And they said, well, tell me about yourself. 
And I said, and what's the last question? The last question is going to be, do you have any more questions or anything else you want to add? We know the questions, but they don't think about it and they don't practice it. It's almost like practicing your 30 second elevator speech. And what I find is that if I can go and get people to think about it and make their plans and hear themselves talk, they're going to be a lot more productive. They're going to go and feel more comfortable. And that's what I want. I want them to go in saying, this is my interview. Ask me anything you want. And they, they, everyone knows about it, but no one practices. That is so true. And so anytime I am coaching, because I prep all my candidates before they go meet with our clients. And that's the first thing I bring up. I was like, you know, this is going to be the icebreaker question. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How are you going to answer that? You know, and we go through it because that is, that is like the first question. That's the first 90 seconds. And that's when they're going to decide if they like mm -hmm. you or not. Mm -hmm. So it's your features and benefits and those things that they're going to go and grab onto. And then that gets the conversation going. Mm -hmm. And we can't go and go in and just say, I'm a grad, recent graduate and I'm a team player and I'm a workaholic and then sit there and smile and think that the, that the interviewer is going to be able to go and go from there. So, uh, so they don't practice. People don't practice. We think faster than we can talk. Mm -hmm. So we think we know what we're going to say, but then when we try to get it out, then that's when the ahs and the ands and your nose and those things start to come in. So I have people try to go and figure out exactly what they're going to say for the specific reason they want to say it. So I think that's beautiful. One of the things that I coach around this is I encourage my candidates to look at this more as a commercial rather than an elevator pitch, because mm -hmm. there's a couple of things that commercials have to keep us from changing the channel. And one of those is that it's short and sweet and that it has a hook. And then I give them example an example of my hook. Um, you want to hear it? See if you like it? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I'm not going to give you the whole thing, the whole speech, but let's just say that I was going right. to interview for a new recruiting job, right? And it's okay. important that we network. And you can see on my resume that I belong to several mm -hmm. organizations and that, you know, I'm doing all this thing. So what I would do is highlight that piece because it's so important to recruiting. And I would say, you can see on my resume that I belong to several organizations, but that doesn't tell you the whole story. The whole story is that for this one organization right here, Success North Dallas, I'm the chief of staff, which means I manage all the volunteers. I'm the first person people see when they walk in that door, and I am the first person that they come to when they need something. You know what? I'm so good at this. People often call me the networking ninja. Mm -hmm. There you go. Am I hired? So you're hired, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you and that's what you, you gave a good, great example. So you pointed out what your strength was. And mm -hmm. then you gave an example to back it up, which then goes and allows me to probe a little bit more and to go and get more of a conversation going. Uh, I, I think that's what we have to do is encourage people to go. Everyone's nervous about the interview and they go in thinking that they're going to be blindsided and the interviewer is not trying to blindside them, but just to get to know them and mm -hmm. to see if their features are going to be able to go and solve their problems. So what we have to do is figure out how we're going to match up with those things as we go through the interview. So. Absolutely. And so you also mentioned in your book that, you know, it's 
you challenge your job seekers to have a strategic plan. So why is it so important to create this plan before starting a new job search? Well, what I found was, I, I'm a college professor, along with being an accountant and so forth. And I teach strategic planning. And when I look at strategic planning, the first thing we start out with is a vision. What do we want to do? Where do we want to go? And then the mission is how do we get there? What are the tools we're going to use to move in that direction? And we have to make the decision that every decision we make supports the vision. So when I was talking to people and trying to encourage them to get ready for their interviews, all of a sudden we looked at questions. And one of the questions was, what's your greatest strength? Oh, strength. Okay. And then another question that is many times opened is ask is, what is your greatest weakness? So weakness. So it started to ring a bell with me that the SWOT analysis, which is strength, opportunities, weaknesses, and threats, we already talked about two of them already. Mm -hmm. So I incorporate a strategic plan into their preparation. And then because of my selling background and what I used to teach in, in the sales, I use the selling proposition, which is their features and how they're going to give benefits to the employer. So, and then we talk about the interview. So we have a structure at, that they work with. And what they do is they'll list their strengths, they'll list their weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and they all will then develop how they're gonna to respond to what is your greatest strength? What is your greatest weakness? Do you have any questions? Um, so it, it actually gives structure for them to get prepared. And it's something we can't do in a day. Sometimes I tell people it's gonna take a week of looking at it and going over it and refining it and moving up to the top, what is number one, and down to the bottom, uh, a, a different one, so that they're comfortable with it. And if they're comfortable with those features and benefits that they're gonna offer to the employers, then they can speak with confidence and they can say, gee, ask me anything, so. Yeah, that's really so that's beautiful advice. For me, for me, it's a strategy instead of just being a interviewing process so or a program so i try to teach them that it is a strategy it's their own strategy and everything they do has to support that and it, it's it's worked really well for a lot of people and it made them think about things that they hadn't thought about before and so when we go through that and after they have maybe one interview, then I ask them to write down, what is the number one question or the question that bothered you the most or you couldn't answer? And once they prepared, they really are able to go and answer almost any question that comes to them. I think this could be applied to even bigger than just job interviews. You could apply this to your entire life. You, I actually encourage my students to do their own personal vision and mission statement. Mm -hmm. And I don't look at it, but I ask them to write it down and to write their own vision. And then how are they going to get there? And then revise it as we go on. And you revise your strategy depending on what job you're going to go interviewing for. And you will go and change your priorities and your 
in what are your strengths and weaknesses based on which job you have. I have a resume for college professor. I have a resume for accountant, which I am now. And so I always have a different resume depending on what job I'm going to be talking about. I think that's such an important point to make that you need to tailor your resume to the position that you're applying to, not just have sure. one generic resume for every, that you send to everybody because then it's too generic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. It's, it, it, you, you have to put the, if you put the thought and time in, it's going to make you feel more comfortable and then you're going to be able to go and do the best you can. Absolutely. So that's what we're hoping about, hoping to do as we go forward. Absolutely. So in your book, you also mention that looking for a job is, or you mentioned that getting a job is a job in and of itself. And I agree. I'm so glad I don't have to look for a job right now. It just, I, I feel for these job seekers when they come to me, you know, because yeah. it's just, it, it's just tough. So what advice can you give to our job seekers to help them, you know, maintain that process so that it's very fruitful for them? Well, it's like you said, it's a, uh, it's a job getting a job. Mm -hmm. And if you fill out the resume, and like we said just a few moments ago, if you have one resume for two or three different types of jobs, then we're not doing what we're supposed to. So we should do our research and we should constantly be in networking, like your example at the mm -hmm. very beginning and how you're involved in that other organizations. I tell people to go to the local store and get business cards and have with their name on the front, their education and so forth on the back and hand them out as they go around. Go and make sure you call someone, one, one, do one thing a day to go and try to promote yourself into that job. And it's not always just looking at the, the Indeed or whatever posting you're looking at, because many times they'll grab it and they'll say, well, that job's for me. And then they apply right away without doing the homework to go and make sure that what they have as features match with the job the the job posting and so if we go in there we're going to not be as prepared as we should so we have to work hard and we have to go and make sure that we're constantly upgrading how we're approaching the job i think right now with 11 million openings yes and all the people that are looking for jobs it is a miscommunication between the job posting and the interviewer I think many people match what is, is in the marketplace and people are saying, well, they, we, we don't have people that are trained in the right areas. I think they are trained in the right areas in many cases, but they can't get that information through to the interview. And that's why I want them to prepare to make sure that they know everything. And I, I work with college, uh, high school students getting into educational institutions. I work with... Uh, college graduates that are just getting their first job and then people that are promoting and so forth. Everyone has to look at it slightly different, but in the same way, in the same way. So. You, you know, I agree. And I think that it needs to be, you know, people really need to understand that, especially me as a recruiter, I look at resumes for about 10 seconds. And yeah. if you don't catch my eye, and if I don't see what I'm looking for immediately, I'm on to the next one. Because I get hundreds and hundreds of resumes, right? I don't have mm -hmm. time to go in depth in them. So it's so important that right. you really offer up your true experience. You know, for example, if a company says they need NetSuite experience, 
required, make sure NetSuite is bolded or something on your resume so that they can mm -hmm. see it. Make that your prime focus of what you want to share with them. And, and real quick, something else I wanted to share. I'm really, VIP is always about giving value first. And so one of the things that we've put together that, and I would love for you to take a look at it at some point, is a free job search tracker for candidates. Or it's free for anybody that wants to use it. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, it was put together by our marketing team and they did a really great job for it. So we'll have that information in the show notes for people who want to, you know, really take this advice and move it to the next level. Because it's so important sure. to keep up with this stuff. So um, we talked a little bit about the SWOT analysis, but I just, I want to go over that just really quickly one more time. How is that going to help us in the job search? Well, what it does, it it goes, it allows you to match your strengths with the job posting. So if, and for example, if you have a job posting and you're looking at it, it do you have the computer experience? Do you have the time? Do you have the licensing and so forth? So you have to highlight those. If you look at it and you find areas that you aren't totally in sync with the job posting, then what you would do is try to go and look as to how you're going to solve the problem. I think most people, when they do a job posting, they put everything they want. And it's very few candidates are going to be able to fulfill every one of the features in the job posting. So what we want to do is make sure that we accentuate the things that are going to go and make the difference. And so many people are afraid to go and really talk about their strengths. And they, they have a difficult time in, in speaking positively about all the experiences that they have. They almost feel embarrassed to do it. And the thing that I try to point out is you have to give good examples like mm -hmm. you did at the very beginning. And if you don't give good examples, then you're, you're not going to be able to go and, and get that uh, second interview or the job offer. So as you look at the job posting, look at your strengths, figure out how you can support that with your interview example, and then make sure you keep coming back to those. And if the interviewer doesn't ask about them, you should have in your mind those things you want to make, make sure everyone understands. And I'm not asking anyone to memorize uh, questions. That's the worst thing mm -hmm. we want to do. We, uh, you buy a book and you have 150 questions and answers. I don't know how anyone can do that. Because when I talk to the people that I'm working with, I say, are you going to have a teleprompter when you do your interview? No, no. Are you going to be able to use notes? No, no. So don't memorize. Talk to yourself. Hear yourself go through those things. See if it makes sense. And then you'll be able to go and, and communicate very easily without trying to go and figure out what you're going to say next. So I love what I you just answered. I, yes, it did. It was a great answer. And I have a follow up to that because, you know, you're saying talk to yourself. So you hear yourself. But I've even encouraged my candidates to go a step further and record themselves and play it back. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, I, I, my, my best advice is go for a drive. <laughs> throw your phone in the front seat and start talking to yourself and Ooh, then like play that. it back. And, and, and you're going to go because you're distracted. First of all, you're, you're driving safely. I mean, I'm not, so you're driving safely, but you're doing something else. You're not staring at a mirror, which some people say do that. And that's so distracting and, 
and uh, unnerving to do that. So do something else. Walk around, go for a walk and, and tape yourself and hear your word flow. I even have to tell people in the morning, make sure you get your voice going. Yes. Uh, to exercise your voice, to make sure that it doesn't sound like you just are saying the first words of the day if you have a Zoom meeting in, or an interview in the morning. So it's little tiny things that my process is to get you so comfortable with what is going on that you can sit down and be re somewhat relaxed. No one's going to be totally relaxed, but you can feel in control. And I try to get them to look at as much information as they can about the job posting, the company, and how they fit into that for them to go and do a great interview. I think that's amazing. Going back real quick to the strengths mm -hmm. on the SWAT. Yeah. So how would, how could someone identify their own strengths and, you know, so they can highlight those on the resumes? Do you have a couple of questions that you ask? What, what does that look like? Well, what, we, uh, what, what are you good at? What do people come to you for advice for? What, uh, what do you uh, excel in? Where have you been recognized? Where are you most comfortable uh, dealing in front of groups, in teams, not in front of groups, with particular systems? Uh, what systems have you been exposed to? Have you done any training? How do you interact with other? How would people describe you? Those things will generate with you what you are, are good at. And what, what happens is we overlook many of these strengths. We take it for granted because we in ourselves all our lives and we've had a lot of experiences but we experience life differently than anyone else and we're all individuals and we're all special and and we can't have a generic type of answer the same as we can have generic questions um, at the end of the interview when we go in it's funny how uh, now you can all you can always tell what uh, article they read because everyone has the same questions at the end yep. of the interview. And what we want to do is make sure that we drill down to the point where we really know what's going on. So it's a conversation. It's it's not an interview. It's, it's uh, a give and take between two individuals in a very open and comfortable way, as comfortable as it can be during the interview. So. I think that what you just said about the questions that, you know, the same questions that everybody asks, I, that is one thing that I hear from my clients all the time. They're like, they all ask the same questions, Casey. And so I started really coaching my candidates. I'm like, don't Google your questions. You can Google them, but don't use those. You can use those as a right. basis, but really be curious, come up with your own that you can, that shows mm -hmm. that you're interested in the company learn look at the company and I, I when i do ask them to do their strategic planning it's they do internal which is themselves mm -hmm. and then they go and do an external on their industry and they do an external on the person that they're interviewing with the company yep and so they're doing their research ahead of time it's not just saying oh that looks like a great job i think i'm going to apply for that they do their preparation uh, both ways. And once you do that, you're going to go and see that there are some questions that the other party should 
be able to answer without pinning them down and not trying to go and embarrass them in any way. But how did you respond to COVID? Uh, what was the That's experience for your company? Uh, how, how, what do you see yourself doing in three or four? What is, was the latest press release that you had that you were excited about? Or where do you see your, your company's future in the next two to three years? Uh, where do you see this job going? Those are all open-ended questions, which you should know the answer to mm-hmm. before you can make up uh, an acceptance. And I try to go and prepare people so that if the interviewer looks over and says, you got the job, you're hired, would you take the job or not? Mm. And and when I, so they have to be totally comfortable with the situation because if they don't, then it's a tested interview. And they're gonna go in there with the feeling that, oh, I'll give it a shot and see what happens. But if they're totally prepared and they understand the other company and the opportunities they have, they're gonna be really excited about getting the job and that'll come across and uh, they'll do uh, a great job with, uh, with the interview, so. I think that is such great advice. I hope people go back and rewind this and listen to this several times. So one other question around this subject, um, well, kind of around the subject, but you mentioned in your book that many interviewers use silence to bring out true answers from candidates. So how can candidates (laughs) respond when faced with silence? Well, it's when, when we're trained as interviewers, and I was trained way back by psychologists and I was trained by the HR people. And we went through a week's worth of training as to how to interview, looking at, at uh, different signs from the interviewee, how to go and prompt them, how to bring things out. And I was told and taught at that point that one of the best tools to find out more about the person is to just smile. Hmm. Let them give the answer and then just sit there, cross your arms and just smile. And the funny thing is we can't accept quiet. So what happens? The interviewer starts to talk and they talk more and more and more and they get themselves in more and more trouble and they start to now not know what they want to say. So the ahs, the ands and you knows come out. And what I tell people is don't be surprised if something like that happens. So what you want to do is just keep control, smile, and ask the person, would you like to hear more about that? So now you throw the question back to the interviewer. They can say, no, that was great. Let's talk about this. Or yes, I would like to hear more about that. So you keep control without rambling and going off the deep end with information that you really have already given and you don't have to give again. So silence, and you, you pointed that there was a, one of your podcasts a couple of weeks ago I was watching, and the person mentioned that one of the interviewers lets a piece of paper on the floor so that when the interviewer comes in and responds to it, either picks it up or hands it to them, what, what do they do? And so every interviewer has something that they like to go and try. And so I prepare my people to go and say, ask me anything. I'm not going to get shook about it. If it's silence or a piece of paper, I'll do what makes sense. 
and I'll try to stay uh, in control during the interview. So. Beautiful. So. Such great information today. When is your book coming out? Well, we agreed on the cover, um, so that's getting pretty close now. <laughs> so we're hoping to get it out uh, by uh, the beginning of October. That is fantastic. The beginning of October. And congratulations and, um, on that. That's huge. Thank you. Thank you. And it's it's something that's been coming. I didn't realize I had the book in me, for, but my experience has always been to help people get jobs. And I was always doing it for all my students, for my employees, uh, because the better I treated them and helped them, the better student they were and the better employee they were. So as I started to go and help people and my phone's ringing all the time can you help my daughter can you go and help me oh can you help my husband i thought oh, it's about time that i go and share the ideas because it's been successful so far so that is so that's what we're trying to do well thank you for your giving you know your give back for always giving value first certainly appreciate that but we are almost out of time but before we finish up i've got to ask you our three vip questions okay all right are you ready? Here we go. Okay. I'm ready. Hold on tight. <laughs> I'm holding on. <laughs> so if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Well, I have to say the person that I would take with me would be my wife. We just celebrated 55 years of marriage. Wow. Weekend. Congratulations. So I'm, in the, I'm in the top 5%. For, uh, I Googled it and figured and found out that 5% uh, of marriages make it to 55. So I would have to take Janet because she has been by my side and guided me throughout. And on top of that, she's a uh, graduate nurse and she went to culinary school. So she's a great cook. So what wow. better companionship would I like? And so that's one. Two, I would take the book that Charlie gave me that made mm. a difference in my life, and that's The Common Denominator of Success by Albert Gray. And um, I know you um, you can Google it because it's uncopyrighted and it's the original speech. And what I have done in the last 16 years, every one of my students has to read that as the first assignment and give me a report back. What is the common denominator do they believe it and how can they use it? And I have people four or five years later say, thank you for letting me read that book. And it's a speech that was given at an insurance con convention. So it's not inclusive language, but um, it, is, it is really life-changing. So I would have to take that and then hopefully someone who's willing to take a chance because that's the way my career has been uh, i've been put into situations where oh i why not so that's how i've had three diff three or four different careers 38 years and this one 16 and that 16 and another one because i wasn't afraid to go and say why not i so, love that i love that those are the three that i would take so so what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success um, I try time management, but I've tried the IV program. I've tried this book, that book, everything else. 
the thing that works for me is I have situated my desk by a window on the second floor so I can look out in my man cave, take a big cup of coffee, I go up there and I see what's going on in the world. I check on the news and then I have a little, just a little tiny three by five stay focused where I try to list what I'm gonna work on for that day and try to get them in some type of order. But uh, I, I try to, I have to go and get focused in, in the morning. And that's the way I like to do it, so. Me too, I have to get focused in the morning too or my day is shot. So totally yeah. get that, totally get that. I love, the, I love to see the outside and see what the weather is and the kids going to school and people jogging and running and uh, taking the dogs for a walk. It sort of keeps me in tune with what's going on in the world, so. I bet. So if your life's work was being summed up in a news article, what would the headline be? Um, Phil doesn't know what he wants to be when he grows up. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally see that with your career path. Yeah, and the thing I is, mean, it's not like you were jumping from one to another. I mean, you had like significant no, years no, in each of those careers. Yeah, I had 38 years in one and then I retired for 90 days. And during that time I received my MBA, my college professor hired me into his public accounting firm and the university asked me to be an adjunct professor. So I started two new careers within 90 days of retiring after 38 years. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I just redirected myself. And now I'm 76 and I don't see any end. You know, I can't wait for the next challenge. So. <laughs> next career. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, Phil, this has been such a pleasure having you on today. How do people find you? Well, you can go and I'm in LinkedIn and also they can go at philhessucc.gmail and the UCC stands for Upward Career Counseling. Ah. That's my next venture. I went and put my bio in at a dot com, Upward Career Counseling, with my contact information. and. I may start another career uh, because uh, my phone is ringing off the hook. Uh, I, I'm right now dealing with four different people of, from 18 to 55. Huh. And, um, and we can, and it only takes a couple hours. Yeah. I do it in three hours, one, three, three one hour sessions. And um, so who knows? That's amazing. I can't wait to no. see what, what you do and how you help the world next. So for now, Phil, I just have one more thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I really do. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.